What do you do? The podcast that explores various occupations and industries and arms you with information about what that position entails and how someone gets that job. This show is for anyone who's ready for a career change or who's just entering the workforce. What will we discover today? Lead in and enjoy the show with your host, Chris. Welcome to episode 8 of What Do You Do? The Career Podcast. In this episode, it's kind of sappy and hokey, but it is the Mother's Day episode. I interviewed my mom. She is a educational consultant, and it's always been kind of a different job. I learned what it was growing up, and it's kind of amazing moving states, and my children's school actually used her training, so it's kind of cool to see that. And I think you'll find some interest in it. If you're a teacher or a principal, I think you'll find even more interest in it. And it is pretty good. And I had some technical difficulties, but we made you know made it work. Um, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Play FM, TuneIn Radio, and all the other directories. So be sure to find us, subscribe to the show. And listen, leave us reviews, shoot me an email, chris at whatdodopodcast.com with feedback and recommendations, and I'll be sure to uh, listen to it and get back to you. Um, as always, go ahead and start. Make it happen. And uh, on with the interview. All right, I'm here with Beth Saddis. She is an educational consultant, and she also happens to be my mother. So this is going to be a little Mother's Day episode. Um can you go ahead and tell us a little bit what an edu- educational consultant is? Yes. Well, um, hey, Chris, we work with um, – I work with schools or school districts, and um, mostly what I do is in the area of teacher – helping teachers reflect and improve their questioning skills. And the goal is to get students to think, get them actively engaged, get them interested and curious. And uh, so an educational consultant can consult on a variety of topics, but my specialty is really about classroom questioning. Could you go ahead and maybe tell us a bit more about classroom questioning and uh, why that might be important for uh, teachers and students? Sure. Well, we say... Questioning is an integral integral part of every classroom teacher's teaching process. And questioning, in fact, is a process. There's the question itself. We want the question to be, you know, targeted to what you're trying to teach, to be when it, whenever appropriate, to be at higher levels, to engage students in higher levels of thinking, not just recall, to be relevant to students so they can really make a connection with that student. One of the definitions of thinking is that it's about making meaning or making connections in the brain with something you already know. So when a teacher asks a question and kids don't have any relationship to it, it's hard for them to get very engaged in thinking about it. So there's the question itself. And then, and very importantly, I'm sure uh, you and most of the listeners have been in classrooms where a teacher asks the question and those who want to answer raise their hands, some wave it madly. 
But what we have found from research is that for the most part, about 20% of the students never say anything in class. And about 15% of the students talk much more frequently than everybody else. So when you just call on one student at a time, you're not getting every student engaged. So we say think of a way to get every student thinking about and talking about an answer. Um, we call these alternate response formats where they might be students in cooperative groups talking together. Uh, it might be just with a partner thinking together and talking together. But you see, in that way, everybody, every student in the class is answering and thinking about an answer. And the teacher then will hear from certain ones of those students, but she'll have a better idea if everybody in her class knows the information and she can move on, or whether the teacher really needs to step back and kind of reteach. A third really important part of the process of questioning besides how are you going to get everybody engaged and how are you going to ask an engaging question is how are you going to scaffold student thinking? Let's say you ask this, you've prepared this really good question and you pose it and most of your kids are saying, I don't know. You know, what are you going to do to cue them, to help them remember, to help them make a connection in their brain with something they already know? Or if they give you a correct answer, just say something like, what makes you say that? So that you can get behind their thinking and you'll know if their thinking was correct to get to that answer. And then finally, you want to give them feedback. Uh, and you want to use that feedback to decide yourself if you're, te if you're teaching and, it's, and they're getting it. So... Um, it is a process that really engages, it, that kind of encapsulates most of what teaching is about. So who would hire you, the school districts, the principals, or maybe other teachers? Primarily a school district will call me, uh, although sometimes I work with a school. And um, it's, it's not ever teachers, although uh, my colleague Jackie Walsh uh, and I, have written several books, and individual teachers can take our books or go to the website and get a lot of resources and information about good questioning. So when the school districts bring you in, is it for a, a period mm -hmm. of trainings, or do they just bring you in once, or will you come several times a year? It seems like it might have to be an ongoing training session to get the most out of it. Out of it is, but you know, Chris, this is the interesting thing that we have found over the years, and I've been doing this for a lot of years. Um, the training is an awareness. It kind of stimulates people to think for that day that you're there or those two days or three days that you're there. But then you leave. And for teachers to really transform their classrooms so that kids are thinking, they're working together, they're being real active participants in creating knowledge through the questions. Teachers need support and help. It's just like, uh, you know, me. It's just like when I will say, I'll, I'll read a good book about the importance of exercise and how good it is for your brain, for your body and everything, and I'll say, oh, 
this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go exercise every day. And you know what, Chris? I don't do it. I don't go to that gym every day. So for teachers, it's the same thing. We're asking them to really transform the way they teach. And they need someone there. The principal has to be an important um, ingredient if it's a school-wide endeavor. But, you know, what we find is that if we can go back to the school several times, that we can work with teachers and a partner, a teacher and a partner, and they can really work on a question together, and then they go and observe one another. And when you are observed doing your job, you learn a lot about how you do your job, and you you are you, it causes you to reflect about how you do your job. And mo- most importantly, how are your students responding? You know, are they coming up with the information that you were hoping they would, and are they able to extend that information and really make deep meaning out of it? And so uh, sometimes we work with a school or a district for a period of two or three years, sometimes just for a day. You know, it just depends on the extent to which they're wanting to actually see real change happen in their classrooms. How did you become an educational consultant? What kind of education was required? Well, uh, I worked for a company that did educational research for many, for a years. First I was a teacher, of course, and then I uh, got my master's degree and I uh, worked for this educational research laboratory, actually. And our goal there was to keep informed about educational research and translate it for teachers. And that meant really doing training or professional development for teachers so that they could use it and understand it and use it in their classrooms. And about 10 years ago, I'd say, um, I was getting older. I was kind of, the thing that influenced me most was my colleague. I mentioned Jackie earlier. She had been a consultant for most of the time that I've known her, which has probably now been 30 years. And I thought, well, I believe I could do this too. And so I left the lab and went to, went, you have to go out on your own if you're going to be a consultant. And so it was a little scary, a little risky. You know, can I make money? Can I get enough jobs? That kind of thing. Um, and it just worked out really well for me. So far it has. We've written seven books together, and uh, those are selling very well. And so our name kind of stays out there. I don't always train with Jackie, but we like to train together. It's just much more energizing for us and for the people that we're working with. But I think Jackie was a big influence. She's kind of my mentor. And um, and then it was really just making the decision to go out on my own. And I can say, I can say this honestly, Chris, I've never had a better boss because it's, it's me, you know. <laughs> What do you like most about being an educational consultant? Oh, I'd have to say the people I get to work with is is what I like the best. Uh, You know, most teachers want to do their best. They want the best for their students. And sometimes they're pretty resistant because maybe they've had a lot of bad training experiences or people come in and 
are very evaluative about how they teach. I'm really looking for teachers to decide what it is they want to do to improve, and then I will help coach them to that. So, you know, even when teachers don't think they want to learn better questioning, when they're open to at least hearing about it and thinking about it, almost all the time they will come around. Uh, and, and it's just a real pleasure to me to work with these committed, um, talented teachers who are, who are wanting to do even better than they're doing now. What do you like least about being an educational consultant? Well, I think what I like least is just schools are filled with reform um, programs. They take one initiative and they use it for a year, and then they take another initiative the next year, and then another one the following year. And teachers just get really burned out. Oh, here comes something new. If we just... Look the other way, it too shall pass. And that's not their problem. It's kind of the bigger schooling structure that we've got in this country. Really, as I said before, to make a difference and to make a lasting change, it, it requires a commitment from the school, from the school district, and from every teacher individually to make a change and to really work at it. And so the the biggest thing, I guess the biggest frustration is this mentality that we're going to bring somebody in for a day and she's going to make a huge difference and then we'll do something else, you know, next month, next year, whatever. And that, that's kind of frustrating because it just doesn't happen that way. If you could go back in time and change anything, what would you change, maybe do differently? Hmm. Um. You know, I've often thought people, people, so you know how people talk about what would you do if you were, if you won the lottery? Sometimes the poorest schools need my help the most. And because this is my business and I need to make money, I can't always, I mean, I, I can't work for free. And so I wish I could win the lottery and that I could work with the schools that really want to work with me, whether they have the money or not. Uh, it just seems that sometimes, you know, especially the small schools, and we have a lot of small districts in West Virginia, but, you know, really everywhere in this country there are small districts, and then the big districts are so big, they're just, it's just overwhelming to try to do it district-wide, so... I don't know. I'd like, yeah, if I had all the money in the world, I'd keep doing what I'm doing, but I'd be able to write my own agenda, if you know what I mean. Do you think it would be beneficial for teachers to be trained how to question at higher level thinking during their education uh, and in-class teaching? Yeah, I, of course, I think that the latest educational research and findings should be taught to students when they're in their uh, pre-certification training, getting teacher, you know, getting ready to be a teacher. But teachers have so much to learn. Um, we lose a lot of teachers in the first three years of their teaching because it's, it's a hard job. I don't think people realize how really difficult it is. And the first struggle is with classroom management and getting kids to listen to you and do what you want them to do, et cetera, et cetera. 
it, it, although I believe that this is an important topic for teacher education, I really think that once a teacher is in a classroom and has some experience, they're a little bit more ready to hear this uh, because it's kind of theoretical at the, you know, pre-teacher stage. And they might just forget it because it doesn't have as much meaning to them or real, they can't really think how they would use it and apply it so much. But when they're in their day-to-day, every teacher is asking questions. In fact, did you know that most teachers ask hundreds of questions a day, a day uh, and we're wanting them to ask fewer questions of higher quality, not just a lot of questions, question, question. It's not about just, and, you know, that's what my teachers did. That's what I unfortunately did as a teacher before I knew some of this research. But there has been so much interesting research done in the last 15 years about that, that is one thing I would do differently. If I was becoming a consultant today, I believe I would become a cognitive scientist and really learn how the brain works and how we learn because that's an exciting cutting-edge field, I wish. But I'm I'm not going back to school at this age. So, you know, I'm pretty happy doing what I'm doing and just reading what others have done. But there's a lot of exciting new work being done in in how we learn. What do you think about the current classroom that it's right now teachers are teaching to test, not really teaching to learn? It seems like they're trying to shove so much in you just for you to regurgitate it at the end of the year. Do you think that could be a, a good thing or a bad thing? You've made two really important points, Chris. Um, one is that our tests, for the most part, used to be mostly recall. Um, the other thing is we absolutely test too much in this country. I work with some districts where they test every six weeks. And, you know, I just think of all the learning time that, that, that those kids are losing. However, and I know for a lot of people, common core is a bad word, but the new standards that were developed not by the federal government, but were developed for the um, G-State School Officers Organization because every state was making their own set of standards. They said, come on, let's do this together. We'll get, we'll get better. We'll get better standards. These are standards that are about thinking, that are about listening, that are about speaking, that are about asking questions. I mean, So teachers have to think about the process of learning. And at the same time, then, since these standards are fairly new for most states in the last three years or so, the tests are changing. And instead of just answering a multiple choice question, you have to not only answer it, but you have to say why you chose that answer. So it's there's very little memory um, tested. It's more, can you apply what you know and can you explain why that's right? The other thing you said that is so right on target is if you are asked to think about information, that I mean, we all need to learn basic facts and information or we don't have anything to think about, right? I mean, not just sitting there with an empty mind trying to think. 
So you've got to know the facts about whatever you're learning. But when you use those facts, either to create something new or to apply it or to transfer it to a new setting or to really just summarize anything you're to use it, you are going to remember it better than if you just memorize facts and then memorize using flashcards and flashcards and flashcards. Because you may not understand what you're memorizing, and so you're not going to remember it. It's going to be like I used to do, study all night for the test, take the test, and promptly forget everything I just wrote on my test. <laughs> so if teachers will engage students more in the thinking process, and they, like you said, the higher level thinking and the use of information, Kids make meaning, and adults make meaning, and they're more likely to be able to use it in the future. As you know, I went to Montessori school, so it was very hands-on learning, very interactive with the teachers, a lot of questions and, and answering back and forth. But when I left the program and went to public school, it was very much sit down, shut up, be quiet, and then test on it. You know, in a Montessori school, we never had a test. Do you think... Um, that's beneficial or, or not? If you're just learning something, and I'm going to put that in quotes, learning something in order to regurgitate it, you're not really learning it. You're, learn, you're learning it, again in quotes, in order to take a test and get an A, B, C, or D. And that's not learning. We want our students to be curious, to be wondering, to be perplexed, to be puzzled. And there's not a lot of that going on in schools. There's a lot. You know what you said about sitting? I just finished reading an article, a book, actually, that said 20, uh, let's see, 80% of the time students are passively sitting. They are either listening to their teacher or silently working on worksheets. Only 20, 10 to 20 percent of the time are they talking or speaking in class. And you see, years and years ago, John Dewey, who was a famous educator back in the 30s, he wrote, learning is a social activity. And, you know, you more than anybody, Chris, taught me how important it is for people to speak about what they're learning in order to really learn it. You are a real verbal learner. All right. So where can people go learn more about what you do? Uh, well, they can go to my website, Enthused Learning, E-N-T-H-U-S-E-D, learning.com, uh, meaning we want learning to come from within and to um, – be, fill people with enthusiasm, not just be boring and dry and passive. So we have the website. We have some books through Corwin Press and even on Amazon, Quality Questioning, and a new book that's called Questioning for Classroom Discussion. Um, anyway, that's and that they want... If they want to know more, they can email me. When they get on my website, they can send me an email, and uh, I'll be happy to respond. Very good, very good. Or they can write to you, and you can forward their email. <laughs> yeah, can forward it. it to me, okay. I'll go ahead, and I'll link your, your books and your website as well. 
uh, to this. Um, but yeah, happy Mother's Day, and uh, thanks for talking to me. Chris, this is really means a lot to me, and I know um, it was not easy for you growing up because I traveled a lot, but um, I do appreciate your support and uh, your brother's support and tolerance of my kind of unusual vocation, right? Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good to talk to you, sweetie. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in today and be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss that one episode that can change your career path. We're passionate about sharing all the possibilities of occupations out there and we'd like to keep moving full steam ahead. Consider becoming a patron of the show and go to patreon.com slash what do you do podcast to see how you can support the show.